are found alive in you and only in you. Lord, that because of your sacrifice, we can even gather here today and enter into your courts without being ashamed, without any uh, timidness, Lord, boldly we can approach your throne today. And as women, we gather together to boldly approach your throne. There's a reason why the curse of sin is broken. There's a reason why the darkness runs from light. There's a reason why we stand here now forgiven. Jesus is There's a reason why the curse of sin is broken. There's a reason why the darkness runs from light. There's a reason why we stand here now forgiven. Jesus is the
stand here before you, we just say we honor you. We love you. We love everything about you and everything that you're doing in our lives. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, tonight to have full sway, to do in us what is pleasing to you. We thank you that you are the God of peace. You brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the eternal blood of the covenant. You equip us with everything good for doing your will, working in us what is pleasing to you so that you alone, you alone, Abba Father, will receive all the glory, all the praise, all dominion, all worth through our lovely wonderful Lord Jesus Christ we thank you for the kiss of the Holy Spirit upon us tonight we receive it we know that you want to touch us each one and we just say Lord as much as we are able we open our hearts to you tonight to speak because you love us and because we love you. Amen. I want to welcome you back. Feel free to be seated. Uh, I don't know about you, but I feel like I lived a whole lifetime in one month. Does anyone else feel that way? Only me. This was a very busy month. Did any of you feel like the Lord kind of cemented some thoughts for you since we last met? Just touching base with you about the fact that you are an image bearer and you are an Azer. And if those terms are new for you, we'll rehearse them a little bit tonight. And um, hopefully you have got them from your book. Did anyone feel like God has begun to speak to them about some things to set them on a different track? One person, that's awesome. (laughs) Two, both from the south. Must be the air over there. I'm going to ask Sylvia Foster to come up. Sylvia is my my little buddy. Wee but mighty. Wow. You should be around this lady when she prays. Come on up. So, um, Sylvia is just going to start us off with a little bit of housekeeping and a word from the Lord. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see all you guys out here tonight. Um, if you guys got spare chairs in your row, can you guys kind of push in because there's not enough chairs? So, if there's chairs in your row, kind of squished together. Okay, for everybody that don't know where the washrooms is, they're through this door to your left. Hi, Pastor John. 
Can you see us? <laughs> okay. And I want to thank you. Thank everybody for bringing food tonight. That is a, quite the blessing for everybody. Um, there's going to be a sheet go around in a couple minutes for anybody who wants to sign up to bring food again next time, as that's a pretty important part of our, our meeting. That'll be going around in a couple minutes. Um, also, we want to tell you that we have a Facebook page. So any of you guys on social media that's connected to Facebook, Google Blueprints, and you'll look us up, and that way we can keep in contact throughout the month. If you've got questions or if God is speaking to you through the, through the chapter that you're reading, just let us know about it. That will be great. And as for the people that wrote their names down for a book last month, that you didn't um, pick them up yet, they're available in the back. If you ordered one and you went and bought your own, please let Rachel know. Rachel, give us a wave. She's in the back. Um, Because we have your name on it, and we can sell it to somebody else if you already have one. Okay? You got that? Um, When we were in our meeting last week, um, God, God gave me a word that I wanted to share with you guys. Um, there's going to be a great awakening. Fire, fire. The coals are beginning to fan into flame. The stillness is coming alive. There is a shifting taking place in my people. My army is being awakened. I will pour out my glory. I will breathe into the dry, bitter, bitter bodies. Brittle bodies, sorry. My army is being awakened, and my strength, my strength will be put on you to accomplish what I have called you to do in this generation. These words are not just for a couple people here in this room. They are for everybody. Because everybody in this room is born on purpose for a purpose. And God needs each and every one of you guys to step into your calling and your ability to do what needs to be done in this generation. Because we all have a voice. Um, The vision of this ministry is to equip us. And um, for every one of us to have an encounter with God. God has called you by name. You may think you're here because you were, um, a friend invited you, but that's how God chose to invite you. So everybody is here for a reason. And because God called you by name, that means that you're here for a reason. And God has something for you throughout this series. And the vision for, for us and what we're praying into is that every lady, every person in this room, and the ones that didn't make it tonight, that they will have an encounter with God. Because this is not about us. We're just being obedient and doing what God has asked us to do. So God has given us a vision. And he called us by name because we are his army. We are his hands and feet. And he wants to use us. So that is the vision for this ministry. But how many people know that vision costs something? Isn't that right? We can't have the lights on here without costs, right? So what we had decided to do is we're going to take up an offering in each and every meeting. Is everybody okay with that? So if God has led you to put an offering in tonight, or if you got something, we have debit at the back. If you're feeling like I forgot to bring some cash, there's also debit in the back, and that would be greatly appreciated. So if the ladies would come, we're just going to pray, and then the ladies will pass the baskets around. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this night. We thank you, Lord, for your obedient children. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your image barriers here tonight, oh God. 
And Lord, I just ask, Lord Jesus, that you will just bless the hands, Lord Jesus, that is giving to you tonight, oh God, and that you will bless them in abundance. I pray, Lord, that they will see your favor all over, Lord Jesus, their, uh, their giving tonight, oh God. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you will multiply it for your kingdom and your purpose, Lord. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that your will will be done throughout this ministry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so just so you know that, there's no pressure to give. She meant that. There is absolutely, we want this to be free. This is free. We've, we're very deliberate about that. And, um, but there's some admin costs, and we really wanted to make you some bookmarks. And, you know. so, so it's just if you want to throw in a toonie, a loonie, or a thousand, I don't really, whatever the Lord says, it's really not about making money because really we have nothing to really spend it on other than sort of administration bits. So, you know, just ask the Lord and um, give what he says to give and don't give if he doesn't say to give. There's literally zero pressure. So I want to know if there's, this is anybody's first time here tonight. So we have quite a few. There were a bunch of late signups. Welcome here. And uh, can we just give a big round of applause to the paw? Um, hello, Pa. I don't know. You can see me. I totally can't see you, but I know you're there. And uh, we just, we want to acknowledge that you're with us, and we're so glad that you are joining us tonight, and what a fellowship of women in Manitoba is joining together tonight. So welcome, and may the Lord's Holy Spirit be with you there all the way in the Paw. Um, when we break up into groups tonight, just so you know, we're missing 11 group leaders <laughs> You know, it's all about responsibility. So, <laughs> um, if you are aware that your group leader is missing, you haven't seen them, maybe go up and grab their number and, and we can, Nicole. Um, Nicole will help you with that and we will try and conscript a new group leader into your group. And I'm going to be wandering around. We really are very um, earnest that we want the group size to stay at five. And the reason is because we got some really good questions for you to discuss tonight, and we really want you to have an opportunity to discuss them. And so when there's 12 in your group, maybe three people get to share, and that's it. So it's really in your best interest. So I'll be creating new groups as I go if, if we think that there's too many in a group. So, And throughout these nine months that we're going to be together, um, we are going to be studying this book and talking about related issues. And they might be stories that you've, you've kind of glossed over, you know, about these women in the Bible, or you think, wow, you know, I've never really understood the con contextual um, atmosphere around what these women were facing, how they were living, what was the context in which they lived. And so you might think at some point, wow, you know, maybe the chapter feels irrelevant to you, or, or it, you know, the, what we talk about at any given time might not feel really relatable to you. But it really, the desire of our heart is not so much about, about the book so much or what we say, but that you are in the presence of God and that God takes things and ministers them to you and works in you what is pleasing to him at any given time. And that may come when you least expect it. It may come when you think, well, this doesn't have any bearing on me. I can't relate to Sarah, and I sure can't relate to Hagar or whoever we're talking about. But you may be very surprised, very surprised, at when the Holy Spirit comes and he puts his hand on you and he touches you and you go, who knew? Who knew that this woman was so pertinent to my life? 
And that's why we have these windows up, because that's what we're doing. We are looking through the lens of history. We're looking, we're looking back to see, because God wants to give us eyes to see what he wants us to see about who we are and where we're going and what he has for us. So that's really important. We're going to just review really quickly the two main things that Carolyn James talks about in the introduction and in the chapter on Eve. And that was, number one, remember we are what? Image bearers. Gold star. We are image bearers. And we learned that is our very first definition. It's not about how you look. It's not about how you're gifted. It's not about who you're married to or not married to. It's not about whether you have children. It's not about what you do. It's about who you are. And who you are is made in the image of God. You have the God stamp on you. You're a spirit being that's housed in a body. You have a soul. You have a mind. You have will and emotions. But you're spirit to spirit. You were designed with that in God's mind, so that you could connect with him in a vital way and live into eternity, knowing him. Carol and James says, we are called to bear God's image, and it's an invitation to get to know him deeply. We're called to be theologians. Remember, we talked about that last month. Taking a long walk through life with God, living in his presence, going his way, seeing the world through his eyes, and getting to know his character. So we're image bearers, designed to know God. The second word is we are azers, which is a Hebrew word meaning helper. And what we talked about last time was that is not a lame, limp, insipid word that means, well, you're just a helper, you're the sidekick, you're the assistant. You know, some of you may have children and you let them help you when you bake cookies. Yeah, you can be my helper and they're usually in the way. That's not the kind of helper that we're talking about. We have dumbed down that word so desperately. But when God said, I'm going to make you a suitable helper, the word he used was azer. And that word means strong helper. It's actually a military word that means strong assistance. And 16 out of the 21 times that word is used in the Old Testament, it refers to God himself. He is the azer. But he made us azers which is pretty incredible because what that means is he took a characteristic of himself and he uniquely hardwired it into women. Remember, it's not weak. It's not insipid. He is not weak. He is insipid. He rides through the heavens to our help is what Deuteronomy says. An Azer is not a sidekick, but a staunch ally in fulfilling God's mandate for mankind on the earth. It's not something that's activated when you get married. It's not something that's deactivated if you're no longer married. It's who you are when you're born. It's who you are. There is that God DNA wired into us as women. God the Father is our help. He is a very present help. He is our help and our shield. We read that all the time, don't we? Especially in the book of Psalms. The Holy Spirit, what's one of his names? The helper. 
That's one of his names, the helper. And Jesus, the Bible talks about Jesus helping us. There's such a precious place. I just was reading it in the book of Hebrews the other day, that Jesus didn't come to help angels. He came to help us. And that word help is the same word that's used when it said Peter got out of the boat because he wanted to walk on the water. And Jesus said, come on. And he was walking on the water and then he was sinking. But Jesus reached out and seized Peter by the hand. That's the same word. That's the kind of help that Jesus gives. So that's the God factor in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, and in women. That's pretty incredible. And when we find that, when we take hold of that, we really come to understand how it is that we're made and how it is that God wants to be uh, seen in and through our lives. So now we get to Sarah. Did you all get a chance to read the chapter? Most of you did. So we're going to just detail a little bit about her life. And this is a woman on a learning curve, discovering through the difficulties of life what it meant to be an image bearer and an Azar. We first learn about her in Genesis 11. She's the daughter of a man named Terah. And she is the half-sister of Abraham, who was her brother from another mother. Sarah married Abraham, who was her brother from another mother, literally. And they did that in those days. It was closer to the days of Adam and Eve, and we... They lived longer, and they, they intermarried, and, and there was a grace on that that we don't have anymore, but <laughs> some of us are really grateful, not for the shortened life, but for the not marrying the brother of another mother part. But they were married, and they were a family from Ur of the Chaldeans, and we learn an interesting bit of background that I thought you might like to know from the book of Joshua. And Joshua tells us this, that they worshipped and served idols. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Okay, this is a quote from Joshua. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. There it is right there. Abraham's dad worshipped idols. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates, and I led him throughout Canaan. So Abraham alone, out of his entire family, heard a call from the Lord, suddenly, out of nowhere, and the Lord spoke to him, and he said, Abraham, or actually his name was Abram in those days, go from your country and your family and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I'm going to make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will, those who dishonor you I will curse, and in all you do, the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham, at 70, 75 years old, who we learn from other biblical references, became the friend of God established a relationship with God himself, stepped out of the paradigm and upbringing and culture of Terah, his dad, into a whole new realm. Whole new realm. And he became a friend of God. There's not much that we read about this woman called Sarai, which was her name in those days, who set out with him. We know she was around 60 years old, and she was extremely beautiful at 60. And that's possible. I have a couple of years to get there. But that's about all we know. 
right? It becomes clear from what is said and what is not said that her life was not easy and that the areas that traditionally gave a woman's life meaning and purpose in those times actually eluded her. And Carolyn James says she fits the profile of a woman who in some way kind of got lost. Several factors made her life challenging. First of all, she was barren. She had no children. And this is what the NIV says, she was not able to conceive. And the implication here was that the problem was not Abraham's. It was her problem. She was barren. This would have been a source of enormous pain to her because in that ancient world, a woman's value was measured by how many sons she had. And she scored zero. And on that scale, I would have too. Because I only have girls. But she would have scored zero, and even in a more painful way, because she had no children at all, not even a daughter. Consider how painfully ironic it was that Abram means father. Did you know that? Yeah. It got changed to father of nations, Abraham, later. But Abram, A-B-R-A-M, means father. Imagine if you were barren, And every time you addressed your husband, you called him father. And every time you called him father, it reinforced the fact that you, you were not able to give him children. That was painful for her. Number two, she had no home to call her own, not even a country to call her own, because she'd left her country, remember? She'd left the family, they left the country, they left everything. She had no geographical identity. Imagine if you couldn't say that. We have a lot of refugees right now. How many, how many refugees are in the world right now who have no country to call their own? She was a nomad in perpetual motion with no permanent roots, following the command of this God who spoke to her husband, going to a land that they didn't know. There was no map, and they lived in tents. I'm sorry. I don't like camping. I wouldn't live in a tent for a week, let alone a lifetime. I'm sorry for those of you that like tents. But she went with him. She was an Azer. She was on the path. She was on the journey. And this was just the regular faithful conduct of her life. Do you know that the only permanent address that Sarai ever had was her grave? That was the first time she came to rest, was when they buried her. We don't really know how she felt about it because that's not included in the book of Genesis. Nobody ever remarks on that. She was placed in some really difficult circumstances twice in their journeys throughout other countries. Abraham was concerned that he'd be killed on account of his wife's beauty, and so he passed her off as his sister. He lied. It was a half lie, really, because she was really a half-sister, but he passed her off as his sister, and he said this, so that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. He behaved like a self-preserving man, willing to sacrifice his wife to save his own skin. Let's just call a spade a spade. This is Abraham we're talking about. Almighty man of God, friend of God, flawed, It kind of gives us hope because we all have some of those issues. 
The first time this happened was in Egypt when Pharaoh actually took her for his wife. And Carolyn James talks about this straightforward reading of the text, which indicates that, in fact, he had sexual relationships with Sarah. He took her for his wife. So she was compromised. And then the Lord sent an affliction of plagues on Pharaoh's house um, to give him a clue that Abraham had actually lied. This whole thing would have been very devaluing at the very least and devastating at the very worst for Sarah. Put yourself in her shoes. You know what, ladies? Not that much has changed. This would have been a very difficult, devastating place to be in. She was forced into Pharaoh's house, taken as his wife. This was not acceptable in any culture. And you know what? It wasn't cool in God's eyes either because he landed a whole bunch of plagues on Pharaoh's house as a result of this. So he didn't think very highly of this either. The second time was years later when there was a repeated violation of trust when she was given over into King Abimelech's harem. And God warned him in a dream and said, you're a dead man because Sarah is Abraham's wife. God clearly really did care for Sarah in these things. But we're not really sure, did she know that? Was she aware of that? Did she really comprehend in the midst of these difficult situations what was going on? Again, there's no written record here of what she felt, but we can guess. Did she feel violated? Did she feel betrayed by her husband? I can tell you that I would have. Anyone else? God himself had led Abram on this journey. Would he not also have looked after Abram? But Abraham cho- Abram chose a course of faithlessness here. Did Sarah feel vulnerable and overlooked by God and at risk? How many times would this happen in her journeys? She would never be sure. But she kept following Abraham. Did she fully trust him? The question I find myself asking is, did she herself have a faith in the Lord? I mean, where was Sarah at? What was her spiritual condition throughout these years? We don't really know. She was certainly with him, and she would have certainly been able to articulate the promises of God because Abram would have told her. I'm sure he filtered everything that God said to him back to her so that she was in the know. But here's what we do know. When God spoke, it was to Abraham, not Sarah. In fact, there were no recorded incidences until much later in which the Lord actually spoke to her. He commanded the go to another land, to Abraham. His promise of a son and the blessing of innumerable offerings was something he spoke to Abraham. And even when the Lord changed their names to Abraham and Sarah, which was an extremely pivotal moment in history and in their lives, saying that Sarah would be blessed and become a mother of nations and kings of peoples would arise from her, he spoke this message to Abraham. Not Sarah, as far as we know. When it came to Sarah, Carolyn James says this, Sarah suffered God's stony silence for long years. Silence in response to her tears and pleadings for a child. Silence in the beautiful promises that never included her. Silence that only reinforced Sarah's fears that God remembered Abraham, but had forgotten her. 
How did she feel about God? She makes this one statement about him in Genesis 16, verse 2. She says this, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Just here in that one statement, the stark reality of her impression of God. He alone was responsible for her barrenness. Whatever her view of God and her relationship with him, she perceived him as the source of her pain. The one hindering factor to the one thing she wanted more than anything was the fulfillment of that promise. And later on, we get another insight into Sarah's heart when in Genesis 18, the Lord comes to Abraham with two angels, and he hastens to serve them, and she's ever the Azer, and she obeys his call to make some cakes with the finest flour. And when he serves them, the Lord asks this very interesting question. He says this, where is Sarah, your wife? Now, why would he ask that? That stopped me in my tracks. I just stayed there for a minute. Where is Sarah, your wife? It wasn't actually really culturally acceptable when a man was entertaining other men that the wife even came. So why is he asking? Where is Sarah, your wife? And I think about other times in the Bible where God does that. How about earlier with Adam and Eve? He's walking in the garden. He says, Adam, where are you? And where's Adam? They're hiding behind a bush because they're naked and they know it. And they've really blown it. And they've withdrawn. There's a hiding going on. And then there's another thing with Cain and Abel. He says to Cain, where's your brother? Does the Lord know where his brother was? Did the Lord know where Adam was? Yes, he sees. But he asks the question. And there's another interesting place in John chapter, I think it's... 11, where Lazarus dies, and Mary and Martha are really upset. And finally, after, after several days, the Lord comes back, and he says to Martha, who goes running to him, where's your sister, the one that used to sit at his feet? Again, that sense of withdrawing, the sense of hiding. And so we see this in this exact portion. Where's Sarah? In the tent. And that was Abraham's response. She's in the tent. Obviously, there was potential for her to come out, but she didn't. Where's Sarah? She's in the tent. And then when he, he spells out his promise, her response is to laugh. Not a laugh of delight, but a laugh of unbelief, cynicism, hopelessness from years of barrenness and menopause. Clearly, she doesn't have the same perspective or understanding of the Lord that Abraham has. This is an indicator of where she was at in her, I want to call it, jointing with God, her understanding, her nearness, her grid for God. It was negative. It had a a filter that was full of disappointment, that he was silent, that he didn't answer, that he was the cause of the pain. And he said that he would do it, but really... Yeah, right. Commentators, I read a bunch of commentators, and they said she was not in the same place spiritually as Abraham was at that time and hadn't yet risen with him to his clear faith in God. So these were the real issues of her life. She was an image bearer that was disappointed and disjointed, unsure of this God. 
She was fulfilling her DNA wiring as an Azair to some degree, helping her husband along the sojourning and finding this land. And she was an image bearer to a degree, but she was really just finding her way. And I don't know if you can relate to that. We're created to be image bearers. We're created to be Azairs. But so much, so much sometimes of our lives feels to be like we're looking through grids and filters and feeling these things and not quite sure, who is this God? I, there have been times in my life, times when I have endured great sorrow and great difficulty that I just want to go, who are you? Can you relate to that? We can be image bearers who are disappointed and disjointed. And God wants us to find our way through those things to be that connected image bearer and that vibrant azer that no matter what goes on in our lives, we are glued, we are set in, and we get it. The filter's off. And that was what God wanted to do in Sarah's life. She was on her own journey to discover what God wanted her to live like as an image bearer in Azera. And it was a long time coming. So the themes are God's silence, the sense of separation. And in the absence of that void of relationship and hearing God and understanding his perspective, she did something that really was a very big mistake. She found a fix for the problem. Remember that's what we talked about a little bit last week? Azers fix things. We like to fix things. I love fixing things. Do you have a problem? Let me fix it. I'll fix that for you. Let's talk. I already have an answer before I've even listened to the problem. That's what I do. Ask my girls. You are smiling, Elise. <laughs> it's true. Azers fix things. So she looked for an answer. God is not coming through, and I'm going to fix this. And so what does she do? She grabs Hagar, the hand, her handmaiden, and this was a cultural practice. If you couldn't have a child, then you um, had your husband go into your handmaid and lay with her and get her pregnant, and then that baby would become yours by right. This was a cultural practice. It was legit in those days. In the East, not so much in God's eyes, but in the culture, acceptable. And so she did that. And Abraham, Abram said, okay, yeah, that sounds good to me. And really, in a sense, they both acted very faithlessly in this. Her choices pursued a path of faithlessness, faithlessness and expedience, seizing control from God by taking the initiative from him. You're not doing it fast enough, and I don't even know if you're going to do it, so I will just azare this thing into being. And I love the questions Carolyn James asks on page 72. I underscored them. Number one, what course of action best reflects God's image in a difficult situation? These are things you can ask yourself. What path is consistent with my faith in him and in his word? And what choice advances his cause in my life and in the lives of others? These are vitally important questions to ask ourselves. But if these were not the questions she was asking herself, then this is where she got derailed and this is where she got lost. She chose a scheme to produce an heir by Hagar. 
and everything in her life unraveled and went sideways. The baby was born, and she went from disappointment to torment. She felt cursed and despised by the servant, and even marital strife erupted. She blamed Abraham. She said in Genesis 16, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. And don't you believe for a minute she said that all mealy-mouthed? This was a very angry, hostile woman. You are responsible for the suffering that I am feeling. This is all your fault, says another translation. May the wrong done to me be upon you, she said. Does that sound like a curse? Whoa, she's cursing him now. And Abraham very passively says, well, you know, do what seems good to you. And what seemed good to her at that point was to beat Hagar. It says she treated her harshly. The actual word for that means whip. She whipped that girl. This lovely little Egyptian handmaiden that she had collected out of Pharaoh's harem somewhere. Somebody had been given to her as a gift. She exploded with years of bottled up rage and pain. And the one who had felt abused became the abuser. And she disregarded, the one who felt disregarded, Carolyn James has now became the disregarder of the rights and dignity of another image bearer. And it got so bad that Hagar ran for her life. You have to understand that this was serious abuse that she ran. And the very beautiful woman got very ugly. It's encouraging because as image, and image bearers and azers, we note that in the book of Hebrews, Sarah's mentioned in the Faith Hall of Fame. And we look at her life and we think, how in the world did she get there? But she got there. We learn through this story that God sees us and has promises directed personally for us and he's faithful to make those come to pass in spite of our flaws, in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our biases, in spite of our raging reactions. I don't know, do you ever have a bad reaction? Anybody here? So did Sarah. He's faithful to his promises and doesn't allow those things to become derailed because he has a plan and he's God. And he works out everything after the counsel of his will. And we begin to see this in Sarah's life because Sarah was loved by God and he had such a plan for her that included her as the mother of nations. It stretched farther than she could ever imagine. Do you know that you all are included in that plan for Sarah? The people of faith. For me, the game-changing moment comes in that chapter, 18, when when the Lord comes with those angels and she hears him. She's standing in the tent and she hears him say, Where's Sarah, your wife? And for the first time, she hears her name, her name, Sarah, come off his lips. Whoa. He knows my name. He has her attention. Though she's hiding from him, he knows she's there. He speaks out the promise that within a year she'll have a son, and she laughs, and the Bible says, to herself. Inwardly, meaning quietly, meaning not out loud. And she's thinking, yeah, right. 
after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, she says to herself, shall I have this pleasure? And the Lord turns to Abram and says, why did she just laugh? And she's busted. But she knows that she laughed to herself, but he heard her. He hears you, and he sees you. And she's disarmed. First of all, he speaks her name. Second of all, he knows she's in the tent. Third of all, he can read her thoughts and hear the inner thoughts of her heart. These are the moments that change our lives forever. The moments that we know that God knows us. It's that same revelation that David expressed in Psalm 139. Lord, you searched me. You know me. You know when I sit down, when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before there's a word on my tongue, you even know it completely. And her prayer could have been, and when I stifle a laughter in the back of the tent, you hear me. She hastily denies it, but he says this. No, you, now he's not talking to Abraham, she, no, he changed it to you. No, you did laugh. And now he's talking to her personally. I really believe that this was a moment in her life where she shifted where she came to know this God, where she came to yearn for this God, this God who sees, the God who hears, the God who understands. Cannot the one who knows me and knows my hearts and thoughts, cannot he accomplish what he says he will? And something erupted in her for the first time. It was a little rise of faith. Maybe this could really actually happen. And in fact, that's what happens. Because Hebrew tells us that. This is called encounter. This is the life-changing moment. The heart softener, the stone melter. It's the dismantling of every resistance because he spoke to her. By faith, Hebrew says, Sarah experienced. Now let me get this right. I just want to quote it right. Yeah. Even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful. Since she considered him faithful. There's a change. Even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful, who had promised, therefore. And every time there's a therefore, you need to find out what it's there for. From one man and him as good as dead. We're born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Therefore, therefore, Sarah had been born to bear God's image and to advance his cause. Abraham could not have done it without her. This Azer received the faith to conceive that child. She had been so distracted by her barrenness, she couldn't see how much she mattered to God, but she played a crucial role in the purposes of God in giving birth to the son of promise. She finally fully realized the destiny God had written out for her life. Abraham would never have been the father of the people of God without the full engagement of this Azar. As flawed as she had been, I want to end with two things. The first thing I want to say is that you have a destiny. 
Every single one of you in this room has a destiny that God has already written out for you. Every single one of you are seen and heard. And you all have something different in that book on your life. That same Psalm 139 says this, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was not even one of them. That word formed, the days that were formed for me, I looked up that word because it intrigued me. I thought, what do you mean you formed my days? It's the, it's the word yetzar, Greek. It's the same word used when he sculpted Adam from the dust. It means to form, to fashion, to predetermine like a potter, a maker, something squeezed and molded into shape. When the Lord formed man from the dust and breathed his breath into their nostrils, that was Yatsar when he breathed into Adam. Our days have been formed. Now there's a thought. That's not just a numerical counting. That's not just... Oh, Audra, you know, born in 1960-something-ish. And to be ended in 2000-something, that's written in the book. No. This is not about numbers. Why would God just record the number of our days as if he needs to know that? No, he's got something for you that's called your destiny, your book. There's things written in there for you that only you can fulfill. That's a very individualized mandate that God has that he wants to line up for you and lay out for you. You have a destiny that God wants you to fulfill. And the last thing and the most important thing, and I'm going to end with this, we are not trapped to Old Testament examples of relationships with God. In Christ, as followers of Christ, we have direct access to God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all the time. All the time. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. That's what you are. The old is gone. The new has come. That's a whole other message. I don't have time for that. But one thing is certain. You have access because your spirit, which was dead, has now come to life as it should have been from the very beginning And that image bearer has been opened up wide for you to commune and have fellowship with the living God, authentic and real, and there's no hiding there. And there's no withholding. There's nothing between you and him. I love that passage in Luke 17. He says, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. What he was saying was the kingdom of God is within you. Well, it wasn't really in the Pharisees. What he was actually saying, the kingdom of God is in your midst. What he was saying was the king is in your midst. 
And when you come to know him, you are in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We come into Christ when we're born again and when we become Christ followers. We're in him, and he is in us. That king, that kingdom is in us, resides in us. There's no veil. The veil is torn. Hebrew says we have that anchor that's sure and steadfast. You know your anchors don't go down. They go up. We are the only people on earth who have anchors that go up. We're anchored. The veil is torn. We can go in any time. We are dual citizenship people. We live in heaven and on earth. We're seated with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus. And that is an absolute fact. And so what I want to say to us this morning, or this evening... I wanted to say this this morning, too. (laughs) You have a destiny. Sarah did, too. It took her some trials to understand what God had for her. But you don't ever, ever, ever need to think God is silent. Because you have access all the time. He's at hand. Helen always says he's he's closer than your breath. You just think about your hand being near you. He's within you. You're in him. You can talk to him. And if that is not your experience, let's let's ask him for that tonight. We're going to break right now. And we're going to grab some food and we're going to get into our groups. And then we're going to share and fellowship around some of the questions that we've asked. We're going to pray together. And then we're going to regroup. And I just want to pray for us as a unit tonight and ask the Holy Spirit to do something so profound in us. For those places where we have felt like we're disappointed or disjointed. Or those places where we feel maybe like Sarah. I really don't know. I really don't know about this God. God can change that tonight as we engage with him in our last few minutes tonight. So I'm going to just ask you, you can grab your food. Um, when we get into our groups, Nicole, when we get into our groups, if, if, um, if there's new people here and we've established, you know, because there's 11 leaderless groups, um, when we've established new leaders just for tonight for those groups, I'm going to ask, make sure that the people who are new tonight, if you could um, get your emails written down on the back of your cards or, or the question sheets that we're going to be giving out. So do all the group leaders have their question sheets yet, or are we going to give those around in a minute? Okay. Okay. So we're going to take like five minutes Go to the washroom if you need to. Grab some food. There's lovely, wonderful women have brought some great snacks. And then we're going to be holding... If I could... We'll call the group leaders up. They'll hold up their numbers and you can get into your group. Okay? Thanks.
Okay, ladies, we want to give you the maximum amount of time to get into your group. So if you need to load up your plate real quick, go for it. Um, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like all the group leaders, please, to stand around the s periphery of the room and hold up your numbers. And I hope you like your bookmarks. If you look at the back of your bookmark, you'll find your name and a number. That number is the group number that you're in, in case you forgot. And uh, Elizabeth Frank, maybe just swivel around and show your number 18 to everybody. So look at your number on the back of your bookmark. I have the numbers group 4 and 13. If you have 4 or 13, please come on up to the stage. We're going to establish new group leaders for you. Um, if you don't, if you can't find your number, also please come up to the stage. We'll figure that out for you. Um, group leaders, please, on the back of your... This is really important for the group leaders. Group leaders, please put the names of everyone in your group. List the names of everyone in your group on the back of your question sheet, as well as the emails of everyone who it's their first time. So, if you would now please go and find your number, your group leader. And if you're a group leader and no people are coming to you, then you need to come and see me too. There you go. Email, email address for the people that are here for the first time. Number 15's over here. Do we have any number fours? Come up to the stage if you are a number four. Four, good. Stay here. Okay. Jake Atkinson. We have a set of keys here. If anybody's lost their keys, somebody thinks it might be Andrea Atkinson. Not sure. Set of keys. They'll be up here on my music stand. Um, the new come, come and see me. If you're a newcomer and it's your first time here and you don't have a number on the back of your of your bookmark, come and see me. Come and stand over here. And we will make sure that you get into a group. Anybody lost? Okay, then we'll just... And just get an email, Kathy. 
Kathy, get her email address and all the and and you guys there's no on my and I haven't got a bookmark so I don't know. Is there anybody here that is not yet in a group? Come and see me. Trudy Turner, are you here? So feel free to get started. Just introduce yourselves briefly. Um, I'll just maybe just go over the questions really quickly. Describe a time when you felt God's silence in your life. Number two, Sarah's focus on her own barrenness distracted her from her mission to be Abraham's spiritual ally and kept her from reflecting God's image in her relationship to Hagar. Are there any ways in which your focus distracts you from being an image bearer and an azer? Number three, are there any ways in which you're looking for cultural fixes to your needs rather than going to God for his provision and timing? Describe some cultural fixes. Number four, do you ever do you experience encounter with God in a personal and regular way? And number five, and please don't feel bad if that answer is no. It's all about being real and honest because this is where we're moving towards, right? So it's best to be honest because this is the direction that we want everyone to go in. 
And number five, do you believe you are born to advance his cause? Why or why not? So you can get started with that and then pray for each other at the end.
Pardon the interruption. I just need to know where the clipboard for the food sign-up went. If you could hold that up, where that ever might be. Did it even get started? Carry right on.
Our time's nearly up, so I'm going to ask you to just kind of wind up a little bit in the next two minutes, and um, some of you have already started praying. I don't know if the rest of you had had an opportunity. Maybe just take two, three minutes to pray with each other. I don't want to miss what God wants to do corporately in our midst, so, so within about three minutes, I'm going to have us all stand, and we're just going to engage with the Lord for a few minutes before we go home, and I want to just honor our time schedule, so... If you're, if you're ready to just kind of pray with each other, if there's someone specific you get a word for, please, you know, be faithful to um, pray over each other, and then I'll gather us.
you're still praying as a group, feel free to continue that if you really feel that's something you just want to carry on. Otherwise, I'm going to ask us to just stand and begin to turn our focus on the Lord. Elisa's going to lead us in a song just as we do that. Feel free to keep praying if you'd like to, just for a few moments.
us all to just stand now together as one group. could hear some really good conversations going and trust that the Holy Spirit is really just peeling back some layers for us all. And I think the thing that is so vital to us as image bearers and Azers is this idea of being women of his presence that everywhere we go we carry his presence because everywhere we go we carry him and we're so mindful of that in every decision we make in every in every conversation we have in every I mean that's 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 a practice that's a that's a learning how to live in his presence and acknowledge that he's real that he's within us and that we live in him. And that's what changes us from struggling image bearers and azers to ones who are living out our destiny, who are every day understanding and discerning what's formed for you in the book written on you by his own hand, for his own purpose. So I'm just going to ask us to do something and we call this an activation. It's just, it's just a little activating of faith. And sometimes that's stepping up to an altar when you want to get saved. I sure did that. I ran. And tonight I'm not, I'm not, we're not going to have an altar at the front, but I am going to just ask you at some point just to take a step. And I want us all just to step forward to say, Lord, I want to be a woman of your presence. If you're here tonight and you have never encountered him, 
you can encounter him tonight. He's closer than your breath. He wants to talk to you. He has something to say to you. He has a dream for your life, and God's dreams are amazing. You have a call on you, and he wants you to discern it and to live it out in your everyday, sometimes struggles. I know that the Holy Spirit's presence is powerfully in this room. And I know that he's going to speak to you in these next few minutes most profoundly. So we're going to just, in a minute, we're going to take a little step forward. It's just our little movement. We're stepping into his glorious presence. It's not like it wasn't over here and it's over here. It's not about that. It's just you activating your, your faith, stepping forward, saying, Lord, here I am. I want all of you. And I want you to have all of me. I want to be that image bearer, Asera, that you have called me to be. Completely filled with you. So, make sure there's not a purse in front of you on the floor. And if you're good with this, let's just activate our faith and walk forward into his wonderful presence. And when you do, listen. Just take a moment and listen because he's going to say something to you. This is called engagement. This is why we came. This is why we live. Every word that comes from his mouth, he wants to talk to you all the time. Are you ready to hear him? We're just, Lord, we just get rid of every distraction. We're here for you. We know, Holy Spirit, that you have something so rich to say to each one of us and that's what we want to take home tonight and that's what we want to live out every day as your image bearers and your heirs. so let's just take that step and listen and he is mine I am my beloved's and he is mine I am my beloved's and he is mine forever 
my beloved's and he is mine. I am my beloved's and he is mine. I am my beloved's. He is mine forever. His We thank you for the kiss of heaven on each one tonight. We thank you for the precious seal of your Holy Spirit. We're asking, Lord, that not one of these women would be robbed or stolen from of any of the good seed that you've put within them. Lord, we just say as a people that we want to move forward in you with a greater depth of intimacy, a greater capacity for communion, a broader understanding of what you say, a keener ability to hear your voice at every turn, that we would be soaked and saturated in your presence always. We would carry that everywhere we go, into every relationship that we have. Thank you for what you're doing and what you've done in us tonight, Lord. Rachel just had a word that the Lord really put on her heart, so I'm just going to end with that. from the Father. Beloved daughters, hear my voice. Come away with me. Awaken to my love. Let me pierce your soul with my love, for I am yours. You are mine. I will hold you through all of life's trials, victories, unknowns, for you can rest. You can be free in me. When you feel forgotten, broken, lost. I pursue you. I call you by name. Tomorrow, Valentine's Day, a cultural fabrication of prepackaged setups for disappointment and unmet expectations. Forget about it. Come on a lifelong date with me. Rise up. You are amazing. You are perfectly qualified to bask 
in my unfailing, unbreaking, always and forever love. Explore all the hidden riches of secret places with me. Now, doesn't that sound like real romance? Let him pierce your soul and never be the same. Allow all that you face to be transformed in the frame of his lavish, loyal love. Women, arise, shine. You, you belong here. So tonight, before you go to sleep, just sing a little love song to him because that's what he wants to hear from you on the eve of Valentine's Day. Because who really has your heart? And tomorrow when you wake up on Valentine's Day, wake up with that love song and sing it to him. And remember that he is our first love. He's everything. Amen. I'm so excited about next month. Please read the chapter on Hagar. It's one of my favorite chapters. It's just beautiful. And so we'll talk about that. And again, it's all about the God who sees us. Amen. Thanks so much for coming. If you brought food, thank you so much. I think there's a couple of extra spots that need to be placed. I think Sylvia has the clipboard over there. There's like three more spots. Don't forget your dishes as you go. Thank you so much. Love you lots.